Hello, and welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. My name is Julie Faithan Balzer, and I'm a working artist and mother to a curious toddler. My business, Balzer Designs, is all about helping you to live an artful life through thoughtful art education. On this podcast, together with my super special co-host and my mom, Eileen Shu Balzer, we ask questions of each other and our guests while discussing learning, the creative career path, finding balance, looking at art, setting goals, and why being creative matters. So our goal for this podcast is to stimulate your imagination. So mom is feeling a little bit under the weather. The cold that my toddler gave me finally transferred over to her. So today, what we're going to do on the podcast is I've interviewed a bunch of the teachers from a class that I'm hosting called the Artful Holiday. Now, the Artful Holiday is really all about making holiday magic with art supplies. And I called it the Artful Holiday, although mom says I named it incorrectly and it should be called something like the art of celebrating because it's it's really not the sort of traditional Christmas crafts that you've come to expect. It's it's um, I think hopefully elevated. It's about using art skills, art supplies, art techniques, um, and using those to decorate your home, to make gifts to give people, and to just bring a little handmade joy. I think around the world. So I have 18 fantastic teachers, and I have been slowly interviewing all of them and posting those short interviews. They're about 20 minutes each to YouTube. Um, I know that I included a clip of that in the last podcast with um, Andrea. So I have a couple other clips that I think are great. So I'm going to go ahead and share those interviews with you today. I hope you enjoy them. So up first, uh, we're going to hear from artist Barb Smucker. Now, Barb, when I think of you, I think of you as a collage artist, but I'm realizing you may define yourself differently than that. Well, first of all, Julie, thank you so much for inviting me to the Artful Holiday. And it's a thrill to meet you. I've followed you for a long time. I was going to say, you are one of the very few people that I took a random flyer on, people who I like, I feel like I met you through Instagram and followed all your beautiful work. And I love seeing all the things you do. And I thought, I admire this woman. I'll just email her out of the blue and see if she's interested in teaching as part of this class. Well, I was thrilled to get it. And here I go. I do like teaching, actually. Teaching is something that I do here locally. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. And yeah, I, you know, just like yourself, Julie, I do artwork of all different kinds and have for years. So, you know, I started uh, by, by studying art in college. I was a painting major and then quickly went on to um, higher ed administration. Why not? Right. <laughs> this was pre, you know, social media and all that kind of thing. So I, you know, I was getting a salary and my my big art projects were posters and such. So I got back into painting about 20 years ago and started out with abstracted landscape and did some portraits even. And oh my gosh, I did everything, watercolor, you name it, just this, that, and the other. And um, just love the process of learning and trying. And I would I would get in a jag for, I don't know, a year or two and did pretty well, um, sold at art shows and galleries in my area and people would like what I was doing and then I'd be bored and switch, you know, I just kept, I just kept learning and found so many people in mixed media who, um, you know, were at home wanting to access the art world and make things and found art journaling and bookmaking and a number of things and put it all together. 
Um, I still make abstract artwork and I've had a couple of gallery shows with abstract and collage together. So I'm in that, that lane of putting those two things together. I think it's, it is, there's a great desire to like define yourself or other people want to define you. And certainly like, you know, the ongoing issue with galleries always is like, they know they can sell this one kind of work, but if you get yes. bored, that's a problem for them because they want the same things from you, right. To be able to keep yes. selling it. Very, very difficult. And I think sense. yeah, the is easy, right. But they're not always accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Um, but you know, I, I think people follow you where you go. And for me, and I know it's the same for you, it, it's so interesting, the art making process and learning and being curious about a number of different kinds of art. I, you know, I, like you, I like to go to museums. I, I love art of all different kinds. And so then you just want to run right home and try some of it. And you just keep folding it in and your knowledge base grows. And um, and in part, that's how I think original art happens too. Whoop, I now see my, my light is going out, there we go. Um, I think that's how original work uh, develops while you, you keep moving um, on this art journey. Well, this is such an interesting thing to talk about, the idea of original work and sort of how it comes. I think yeah. a lot of people set out with this idea that they wanna find their style. Right. And, and I and I think what the consensus is across so many people that I've talked to is you don't you don't really like pick a style and then it's like your style. It sort of comes as you work. Yeah, I agree completely. I do think that when we're first learning a lot of the art principles and basics, it's natural to copy and do work of people you like. I I, I would still do some of that as I'm learning today. I don't market that work, I don't show that work, but I'm like, how is that done? And I'll try it. And in the doing, you figure out, oh, I really don't like working this way, or, oh my gosh, that really struck something. I'm gonna keep following that path. Um, yeah, so yeah, there is so much value in knowing what you don't like. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yep. And you might like something for a season and then it morphs a little and then you're on to something else for a season. Yeah. And I think also the thing that you said too, about like in the doing you learn, I, I feel like I get a lot of questions from people about sort of what happens if I do this or how would I do this? And I, and, and I know it gets annoying, but my answer is always do it and find out because even if I tell you the right answer or the traditional answer or the way that like I do it, that doesn't really teach you. Like you have to do it. You have to experience it and figure out how that works for you in order to really like get it. Exactly. And I also want to empower people when I teach um, to try, you know? And so one of the first things I'll say in say in our journaling class, you, especially people that are new to working with art, I'll say, if you are gonna ask me the question, is it all right if I X, Y, Z? I want you to know now the answer will always be yes, because that's how you learn. So they'll say, can I add pencil to this? And I'll say, what's my answer? And they'll say, yes, you know, and then they do it. And that's how we learn. Yeah, 100%. I always say that failure is such a better teacher than success. And you can't have that failure unless the answer to everything is yes, do it. 
Yes. Because right. if you do it, then you know that it was a good idea or a bad idea. And if you don't, then you're always sort of left wondering. It's like having regrets. Right. Exactly. I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I like so much about your class is that it is at once both like enormously freeing because you really have a way of teaching people how to just like sort of let go and not have to like focus too much on it. And yet at the same time, ending up with something very like controlled and focused, which is a really interesting process thing. Yeah, it is. And it's a, it's something that I like leading people through. Um, when you do the class, I've already put some limitations around each layer. So that, that adds limitation. I don't just put all the supplies out and say, have at it, which I mean, I do do that sometimes, but in this class, that's not the point. We do it in layers so that, you know, there's some limitations starting so that you can be free in each layer. And then at the end, um, you know, I kind of am borrowing from an exercise. Are you familiar with Karita Kent? I am not. Oh, okay. Sister Karita Kent, you will, now that I've said this, Julie, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, where has she been all my life? I feel like I'm Googling right now. Okay, she was a famous artist, particularly in the 60s. And mm -hmm. she also was very interested in social justice movement and a lot did a lot of like pop art posters. And um, gosh, she's had, you know, museum shows now. And Corita was a famous art teacher in California at a women's Catholic college. And she had students take a viewfinder like, you know, a little film viewfinder around on a walk and, and look for compositions in their viewfinder. And, and that's so endlessly satisfying to my eye. I find it so interesting that you can take one subject like a chair and you could probably spend an hour with a viewfinder and a chair and find all these interesting compositions. And you don't have to make it up in your head. You don't have to even know yet why it works. There are composition sheets. You can Google it and find all of this. I find it so much more fun to trust your eye and find it. And then if I have you in a class, I can say, now, the reason that works is because this little piece is balancing this large piece and it's a cantilever, you know, and that's a clat. But most people just see that. They can just see it. They don't know why yet, but they can trust that. I think that is one of the things that you say in the class, which is so true, is you say, like, if you're teaching in a group of people and you, you know, say, like, do you like this or this? It's kind of the eye doctor, A or B, right? Yeah. That, like, almost always. <laughs> eye doctor. I listen to that again. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to <laughs> but that like almost always there's a consensus in it the room is. because people can feel yes. it. Yeah. It's the same with pitch. You know, I've watched, oh, I forget who it is. Somebody has a TED talk where they bounce on a piano and they it got the big, huge audience and they go, duh, duh. And they go, what's the next note? And the whole audience goes, duh. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's in us a lot of aesthetic that we're afraid to trust. Um, and, but it does take some working for a while to learn how to do that. So, I mean, yes and no. Another thing I thought about, Julie, with you is I always feel like everything's a both and in life. It's this and this together. Um, so it's it's free and it's considered all at the same time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think like 
something that's been interesting for me sort of as a teacher of art now that I have a two and a half year old is thinking about how I teach him about the world. And I find that it's actually, I don't know if it's because I've been teaching art for so long or if it's just who I am, but like we're doing a lot of both and do you know what I mean? When we talk to him, like it can be both scary and fun. It yeah. can be both, you know what I mean? Like good right. and bad. It can be, I mean, right. and so it's like, there are things that I know are taught that we learn. Like, so for instance, sometimes this is so creepy, but sometimes like I'll have the diaper pail open because I'm dealing with changing uh -huh. him and he'll like want to smell the diapers because yeah. to him it's an interesting smell. And he yeah. doesn't understand that. Like, we're like, no, that's a gross smell. Right. You know, and so it's like that there's such an open idea of like, that's a smell I haven't smelled before. It's interesting as opposed to labeling it already as gross. And I think that happens with art too, which is like, so I teach this design boot camp, And one of the things that happens always when I ask people to share like some art that they don't like is people inevitably bring artists like Basquiat or other artists that are a little harder sometimes. Maybe, hard to reach. Sure. Yeah, to enter at the beginning. And the question we always say is like, when we start talking about art, it can't be good and bad. It's like, why are you responding to this? Or why are you not responding to this? Or why are you responding negatively to this? And and that has colored so much of the way I think I even parent now. I Exactly. Isn't that so cool how that works? That what you do with art and, you know, it, it's also transferable. And when I teach, I often explain art in terms of cooking because it mm -hmm. just, cooking is so similar. You know, it, anything of the senses has such similar properties and how it all relates and how it relates to your parenting. I just yeah. love that. I just love it. Well, thinking about the long career that you had, obviously, uh, sort of in between art school and becoming a full-time artist again, like, do you ever think that that period of time and what you did has influenced your artwork or your teaching? You know, I definitely know it made me more confident as a teacher because I, I actually, like, we worked in a dean of students office where I had to give presentations and organize, um, you know, outlines of what was going to happen. I, I got very comfortable speaking. Um, and I've always been interested in people, you know, I just find people fabulously interesting and I love being with other people learning. So that was a great environment. So all of that has informed the art teaching piece. Um, as far as how it, you know, influences my art, I think a lot about, uh, you know, the marriage of the freedom and the analytical, because I am analytical. <laughs> I know my work shows that too. Um, so maybe that some of that's in there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I think about all of that, what my influences have been. Yeah, I'm a great believer in that. I think sometimes people think that like, oh, if only I had started painting earlier, or if only I had liked on this, but it's like all that stuff that you bring with you, yes. you bring with you for a reason. You know, I had a student recently who was a nurse and we noted in her work that uh, she had been a nurse for 40 years and that everything she was doing in her work involved a vessel. Yeah. It was like, oh, well, that makes total sense because you've been such a caretaker and such a person like holding and supporting other people. Right. Like it makes sense right. that you keep doing vases and cups and bowls, that they these shapes just come out of you because yeah. they're sort of who you are. So I'm a huge believer that there's sort of nothing wasted. And I would agree with that too, Julie, in that I feel much more confident at this age of, of kind of just owning what it is I'm doing. 
than when I was certainly right out of college and in my 20s. I really had this idea it had to be a certain way. And the heart of who I am combines a lot of this stuff. And I, I, I've also been, in, you know, as a psych major and put art and psychology together as well as, as well as some spiritual and spirituality. So all of that stuff comes together now in my life in a way that's much more comfortable. In other words, making art for feeling grounded in your life and doing that as a practice and working on it every day. That's something that I get in my bones that I couldn't quite get in the way that I do now when I was younger. Um, so yeah, all of that work I did with students and, you know, counseling and, you know, watching people develop from the inside out, all of that comes to, into play with art. That's probably a, a more true answer to your question. Well, let's talk about that thing you yes. just said about the daily practice. Yes. Because I think that's such uh, an important key. Do you have a routine or is it quarter, sort of all over the place? It, it's not a routine. But the closest to a routine that I have is um, to try to get in there for a few minutes every day. That's the closest to a routine I have. I have times a day that I like the best, but, you know, I've always been one to kind of patch it together. I've got uh, various things going on in my life. So um, I try to have, that's where collage is really helpful. You can get down into a studio and do collage. And, you know, I tell myself even 15 minutes is better than not at all. And it's almost always then at least a half hour or it's cleaning up, right? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, it's cleaning up. yesterday. Yeah. So, and then putting out stuff. So the next time you walk in, you're ready. Mm -hmm. Um and then some days it's very directed, you know, like I'm working on a number of work paintings for a, a show, or maybe it's, um, you know, like getting ready to teach this class, or I'm doing a workshop tomorrow, things like that. Then they're more directed. But, um, and, and I, you know, I keep a simple, uh, I do like a collage sketchbook because I'm in this office and not my studio, which I mentioned earlier is because my power's out. Um, I did bring like a little few show and tells, but this is a, simple sketchbook where I just rip up, rip up paintings that, you know, I've worked on and then reconstruct them in my, um, in my, in my book. And they look like, you know, big paintings in my mind's eye. Like I could imagine these big. And so they make me very satisfied and happy to see the various differences I'm putting down. Um, this would be something I would do, you know, as an exercise, whoop, maybe for a half hour or so at the end of the day, where I'm putting different kinds of pieces of collage together. I would um, encourage people to try and make art more often, little and often, rather than once a month for a day. I think avoiding it is harder than doing it on a regular basis for 15 minutes a day. And the way to make that happen is to set up space for yourself. So you have to get serious and say, I want to learn this. I'm going to learn it by doing. So I have to have a space, just like you have to have a kitchen to cook. <laughs> it doesn't have to be fancy, but just something that's your space that will get you started. And it can be a sketchbook. Uh, you know, in a corner with a desk and limited supplies and just start there. And one thing will lead to the next, the next, the next. I think that's the most important uh, step in the journey is to get working. Yeah. It's making a commitment. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love it. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Barb, both for this little chat and for the Artful Holiday class. I know that people are going to absolutely love your lesson. You can hear my whole interview with Barb and actually see her um, collage notebook, which she shares in the video on my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Balzer Designs. Um, but now we're going to hear just a quick clip from my friend, May Flom. Now, May and I have known each other for a long time, actually, um, came up together in the scrapbooking industry and sort of morphed into the different things that we do now. Now, May, you do so many different kinds of art, really. So do you want to take people through a little bit of the variety that you do? Sure. So hi, and I'm so excited to be here and be a part of this. I... What do I not do might be the shorter list. So <laughs> I like to sew. Uh, I dabble in sewing. I say I dabble in sewing because I'm not a big fan of patterns and long, difficult projects, but I love sewing machine and hand sewing. I love embroidery, cross-stitching, scrapbooking, card making, art journaling, jewelry making. I mean, we can keep going probably if we keep playing in here. Well, I was, I was just see. playing with some painting and canvas. I'm preparing my class for this. I'm also looking around and looking for alternatives. So one of the big things that I find, I have plenty of supplies in here. I mean, you're only seeing a small glimpse. There are plenty of supplies in here to play with. And it can be very tempting to run out to the store or get the latest thing or add something else. And I really have been challenging myself to look around the room and see what do I have that could work in a similar way or create a similar effect. No, I don't have this fabric or this bead or this glue, but do I have something that I could get either a similar effect or do I find a supply that kind of reminds me of this and I don't use it, but I should use it and we can kind of go on a side trek, right? A side quest to play with it, to use it, to do something over there. Yeah, and actually, I don't know if you know this, but part of the Artful Holiday class that you're teaching up, up as a part of is on Wednesdays, I take um, some ideas from the previous week's lesson and I sort of mix them up, mash them together. Do you know what I mean? To come out with something new or use substitute supply or move something over. Because I think to me, like, Part of the wonderful thing about taking classes is not just that you learn to make a project or get a technique or a idea. It's that you get something to put in your toolbox and then you get to decide sort of how to mix those tools around when you actually want to make some kind of art. I absolutely love it and couldn't agree more. And I find that a lot when I take classes. Sometimes even in the middle of the project, I will realize this exact project isn't for me. However, I just learned these ideas from the instructor or this instructor has inspired me in these ways. And I have learned all of these things that I can now take and go and make on my own or adjust to, to fit what I do or fit, fit what I need. So speaking of things that you do, so a fun fact about you that people may not know, they may or may not know, is that you are a super foodie and you have raised two little foodies as well. <laughs> and... 
Well, I was, so I've been thinking a lot how like some, there is something about like loving food and fine dining, but like you don't actually go home and cook like that necessarily, but you do take ideas from there, right? Well, I think sometimes when you try to make something really beautiful, then you're sort of inevitably disappointed because it can't live up to your fantasy. But if you start out for ugly, if you start out for terrible, if you start out for the worst thing ever, chances are you're not going to get there either. And you end up finding something sort of new and interesting on the way. I want to- Absolutely. It's absolutely true. And if I ever, sometimes I'll teach art journaling workshops. And when I do, if I have somebody that's like, you know, like having the pause, like they can't quite put their pen to paper, I go over and I, I splash paint on their page and I go there, I messed it up. Now you're done. Just now, just now just play. Do they there. freak out? Sometimes, but generally speaking, if there's a freak out, it's then, well, oh, she's right. The blank page is ruined you know it's not gonna ever be what I thought so now I might as well just play and have fun and relax you know what I'm excited to see all the lessons to be honest I think that they're each one is going to be bring so much and add to this like you said the taste it's a you know what it's a tasting menu Julie you've developed (laughs) a tasting menu oh my god that's genius I'm stealing that Thanks so much, May, and I'll see you soon. So again, if you want the full interview with May and to see her super cute art space, then you can watch the video on YouTube at youtube.com slash designs. So our last clip is from my interview with Rachel Gregg. Hi, Rachel. Hi. So if I were going to describe your sort of style of art or your area of expertise to someone else, I think that I would say that like if you want to learn a lot about different stamping and layering techniques and particularly how those techniques, like how Ranger products sort of work with those techniques, like that's what I would say. I don't know if you would say something else. No, no, that's exactly, exactly. Because I was thinking, um, yeah, and especially in the class, um, for the art for holiday it's it's that same thing it's it's stamping and layering and mixed media and and how you can incorporate it all into one project but rubber stamps have been a huge love of mine or printmaking in general um for many years like when i was at university i was doing screen printing and lino printing and any kind of printing i could along with photography um and then so that's where the rubber stamp passion started from and then put my photos into rubber stamps and then do all that. So, you know, it's just that whole mixed media layering thing. That's what I really enjoy. And then using paint and ink and I love ink and paint and putting it all together. So, yeah, I would say that like one of the things I said, I think to most of the teachers, as I said, like, let's see you show off what you're really good at, you know, Mm. and your class is so fantastic. It's just, it's like magic each layer, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I can do that. That's simple. And then it just mm-hmm. keeps building and building. And I think, I mean, and I'm a multi-layer person, but I was like, no, 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 Rachel, stop. Like that's <laughs> enough layers. But it really just turns out so well. It's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's um, and because also with my style as well, I can go from real simple, like just simply a stamp on one sheet of paper and then call it a day and that's it. But then I can do these more complex projects. And I think as much as the class that I've got for Art for Holiday can kind of be considered complex in the layers, when you break it down, it's actually quite simple. Yeah, but and, yeah, that's it's magic. It, yeah, and it kind of looks, um, 
I think quite artistic for what it is. And, um, and I also like it because I don't like doing really difficult projects. That's just, you know, art's meant to be fun. So this one here, it's if you've got 10 minutes here and there, you can do your layer. If you've got another 10 minutes, do your next layer. So, and it's just building up. And at the end, I think it's a nice project. So it is. And I also think like, I'm a huge fan of one, just like you said, projects that can be done in parts. So like, if you have 10 minutes, you do part of something and you come back later and you do it and you don't worry about dry time or anything else. And then also I'm a huge fan of projects that can be used for multiple applications. And I just thought the techniques that you shared, I was like, okay, I get this art journaling, big canvas cards, wall art, 3d sculpture, like whatever I want to do with it. Like it's a service design technique. I can keep working. What is your absolute favorite stamp that you've ever designed? Oh gosh, that's really hard. Um, it's, some of them are emotionally, I'm emotionally attached to them because of where the design has come from. Mm -hmm. So the photo stamps that I do with Darkroom Door, um, obviously that's from photos that I've taken. And if it's a scene of some description, like, um, there's one that I have of a bicycle in Amsterdam. Now, obviously for me, that conjures up memories of Amsterdam. So those kind of things, they, they feel special to me. Um, but the ones that I love the most are the ones that I use the most. So, and often they won't necessarily be the most um, innovative or whatever, but I also like to put out what I call wild cards. So that will be a stamp set that I know is not going to sell very well, um, but it's true to who I am and it just gives the industry something a bit different. So like, you know, before talking about the photo stamps, there are some photo stamps and I'm like, I know this is not going to touch the sides on the sales of some of the other photo stamps, but, you know, it to me it kind of all averages out. So I'm willing to take that risk. That's one of the reasons I wanted to start Darkroom Doors so I could take that risk. Uh, the risk is on me and so long as I, you know, um, produce stuff that people do want, then I can also produce some of those crazy ones uh, that are maybe not so popular. But as a designer for other companies, I can see how it is frustrating as well. So um, because you want to keep true to your style too, so they know, oh, that's Julie Stencil, you know. And um, But then also the manufacturer also has to understand that not everything is going to be a bestseller. Yeah, you've it's also, Yeah, that's it. You've also got to have something that's really unique as well. May not be the best seller in the world, but it's unique. And it's sometimes those unique things really do um, need to be like you need to take a chance on some of those and they do become bestsellers. Yeah, well, part of what I think too is the things that are unique and weird stand out. That's it. So exactly. they get noticed when they do get used. And so mm -hmm. I feel like it builds your reputation and like who you are and your sense of style and all that kind of stuff. And I think um, it is important too to give people the freedom to feel like they can use things other than what they're seeing is the norm. Uh, and I like seeing other artists do that as well. And, you, you know, and I love seeing the stencils you come out with or the other, you know, products and, and go, yeah, that's, that's cool. You know, that's really unique and cool. Yeah, I like that too. And I call it kind of like the art booth theory, which is whenever I've had a booth at an art fair, 
I always have like a huge graphic, like crazy painting that hangs like across the back of the tent or just to like grab your attention. And it is always like, A, insane. So people probably aren't going to hang it in their house. B, like really expensive because it's so big. So most people aren't just like casually walking by with like a couple thousand dollars, right? But it draws the attention and then people start to look and sure they walk out with a $20 something, but you know what? That's the reason they walked into the booth and were interested. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good attention grabber. So yeah, that's good. Well, I know that people are going to absolutely adore your class, so I'm excited for them to see it. You can watch the full interview with Rachel on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Valzer Designs. Um, and you get to see some of the stamps that she designed also, which is kind of fun. And if you are interested in the Artful Holiday, you can find that at balzerdesigns.com. Signups have started. Class starts August 1st. You have lifetime access. And I hope to see you there. So thanks so much for listening to this clip podcast. And if you'd like to take a class with me or sign up for private coaching, I'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review, mention us on social media, or tell a friend. All those things kind of help other people find the show. Um, and you can, of course, connect with me on uh, Instagram as Balzer Designs or at juliebalzer.com. And thanks so much for listening and subscribing. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast.